Okay, this is opening night of the Emergencies Act inquiry and the commission that's going to look into it. We're going to have six weeks of it, but I think it's important to look at where we are and what we expect right now and get our minds around what is possible here. We had some hints laid down, as I mentioned. One of the lawyers representing some of the residents in in Ottawa was saying they've already looked at some of the documents that are going to be presented and, quote, we're going to go on quite a journey. Michael Kempa joining us, criminologist at the University of Ottawa, focusing on the politics of community safety and policing. And boy, is that relevant here today. Michael, good evening. Thank you for being here. Good evening. Thank you. What did you get as a takeaway? What did you see as the hints where this could go? There's just a huge amount of information. I'm very impressed with how the commission has gone about organizing it and how they're going to disseminate it to Canadians. They've taken thousands of pages of documents and distilled them essentially into research briefs that will be submitted as evidence. So essentially they are the agreed to facts. Those facts are then subject to being questioned during the sessions of the witnesses. So I was trying to wonder, how are they going to get through all of this? I mean, they've got to look at Ottawa policing, what's happening in Windsor, at the provincial level in Ontario, across the prairie provinces to Coots, Alberta, the different levels of government, the intelligence. It's just a huge amount of information goes on and on. But this approach of these essentially evidence briefs is going to be fantastic. And it's something that the average citizen with not all that much time on their hands, you could pick up a dossier that's particularly of interest to you and actually read the information that informed whatever government agency you're interested in. We also had a hint, as I mentioned, that some of the documents are going to tell us the things that we don't know, which is an interest I have. I want to know why I looked and covered and saw what was happening in Ottawa, and you joined me often as we did that. Mm. Why, why the things in our society we relied on, why didn't they work? Why didn't they function? Why couldn't other things solve this problem? And there was some hint today from one of the lawyers who's seen the documents. As yes. I said, quite a journey, he said. What do you make of it? I think that Paul Champ there, who is leading the class action lawsuit on behalf of the citizens of downtown Ottawa uh, for damages against the convoy, um, he's alluded to the idea And it's nothing surprising. It's going to be a story of very poor coordination between our policing and security agencies. And in some cases, uh, personality conflicts, personal conflicts between some of the security leaders that would have undermined at least partially effective cooperation. And this is going to be very uncomfortable for Canadians. First of all, our agencies asking the wrong questions, not focused on the right security threats for many years, and then finding out that petty differences between people may have crept in to the process. So what do we do with that? Well, we've got to fix the system. That's what this inquiry is all about. You say, not just this is not a criminal trial. Nobody is going to be charged criminally or found guilty of anything. It's about establishing the facts of the case, what went wrong, and fixing it. I mean, we can't have this. We can't have policing organizations that are not up to date on ideological extremism on the far right and the far left. We can't have cities that don't have plans in place for protest in a society that will only see more protest moving forward because we're on the same trajectory as the United States, Western and Eastern Europe with a great deal of protest. We need to get ready. 
And that's the uncomfortable truth that this inquiry is going to expose the Canadians. And we should feel a little uncomfortable, but then motivated to act, not overwhelmed. This is all within our power to fix. Uh, you just gave a nod to the United States. We know today the January 6th committee looking into that action had a very powerful, and they're actually subpoenaing the former president. And we've seen the consequences from the Proud Boys and Oath Keepers and those who are part of the organization of it. And and they are facing legal consequences. But, I, you know, as we say, it could be quite uncomfortable here. And one of the things that disturbed me, and I'm not alone just watching it, is why did the police not seem to act all the time? There was reporting, they were, they were, there was videos out there, and they were placed out there, and some of them were saying they supported the convoy. You know, everybody's allowed to their own, their own opinion, but, are, but you never expect police officers to let that come into play when they're doing their job. Right, and interfere with their professional standards. Well, there's certainly, I mean, there's no surprise there. The police are an exaggerated reflection of society's attitudes. There was significant support for certain aspects of the Freedom Convoy in the general population. So, of course, it's also going to be within the police, probably even more so in the military, because the military are, again, a little bit more concentrated in terms of those attitudes than even the police. So we've got to deal with that. The official line from OPS, Ottawa Police, is that they didn't have the numbers to enforce effectively. They would have been swarmed and there could have been casualties and violence. Peter Slowly has that the former chief who resigned immediately following the declaration of the Emergencies Act. That's his position. The federal government at the time, though, Bill Blair, the minister, said, well, Ottawa has all it needs. It's incomprehensible to me, said Blair, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. why the police are not doing their job. So this is what the inquiry's got to get to the bottom for us. Which is it? Did the Ottawa police have the resources or not? And if not, why not? So this is what an inquiry does for us. It eliminates, in a sense, the wheat from the chaff. We get the facts, and then we learn from it. And the people who made either poor decisions or inadequate decisions are ultimately publicly accountable. That's one of the things. I mean, this is such a compressed inquiry. You're only going to burn through this in six or seven weeks. Normally, inquiries can take years. Part of the advantage of doing it this way, number one, it focuses the message. When you're up on the stand, make your best point and present your best evidence and move along. Number two, the public gets answers while the people who are responsible are still around. There are people there who are going to be left holding the can of responsibility who have to answer to the public when this report comes out in January 2023. Let me ask you, you know, as we look at this and we get these kind of answers, it's also a wake-up call to Canadians, as you said. I mean, there are a lot of extreme views out there. What if something happens like this again? This was a protest that was weaponized and in a new way. And so whatever we decide here could be used to so many different situations. Do you agree? Absolutely. We have to remember that radical ideologues, whether we're talking about far right, far left, they're opportunists. They get in on a good thing going from their perspective and they, they uh, m- manipulate people's anger and fears. So COVID-19 was almost like the perfect little hook issue for them mm-hmm. to pull people who are upset feeling the pain economically, 
not understanding the inconsistent messaging from government as to whether vaccines work, don't work, how many do we need, when do we need them, on and on. They pulled people into their radical ideology using that hook. Now, I'm saying it's a good thing we had our problem when we did and our inquiry now because we're dealing with the problem before that ideology has fully infiltrated the, the state. So you, you just cited the example of the United States. Mm-hmm. There, the problem is their actual elected political leaders yeah. that, are push, that are undermining faith in the electoral system, flagrantly cheating in elections and so forth. Their inquiry is a little bit late. We're dealing with the problem earlier before it completely takes over our state institutions, our electoral politics, and so forth. So if we snap to attention now and put the groundwork down and get our institutions right, we're going to be prepared for the conflict that is coming our way. This is not a war to be won against ideas. It's a long argument that we're going to see for many years. Rather, we need to prepare our institutions to deal with all of these far-out, far-right, far-left ideologies. I know. Almost out of time. It is ironic, though, Michael, isn't it, that this is happening on the day that they're dangling the possibility of vaccine mandates again in Ontario. Those two things coming together, it's almost like a perfect storm. It is indeed. I would just say to everyone, stay calm, follow the evidence Mm -hmm. that's coming your way. This is your opportunity to figure out what's going on around you and how you can position yourself for success and your family for success and contribute to the success of the state. Michael Kempa, thank you. Criminologist at the University of Ottawa, focusing on the politics of community safety and policing, clearly right up the alley as we watch this Emergencies Act inquiry. Thank you, Michael. Thank you kindly. I'm Arlene Bynum. This is On Point.